0: Welcome back. I have joining me, the long lost, Kyle Gilmore, and I am your host, Bill Montoya. Lovely to see you again, my friend. Yes, sir. It is good to be back. I'm glad we could finally get you back on, and uh, I know at some point we'll have to get Eric Pauly back on here to talk about the uh, Pokes football season and how his first season as a sideline reporter is. I know you've got a couple friends we're still trying to get on, so... We do still have all that in the works, but today we are here to talk about the NFL Divisional Round playoffs that were. Uh, we got some award season stuff to talk about, uh, some news in the head coaching carousel, uh, our picks for the upcoming weekend, and just some other news and notes from around the league, as well as a uh, great piece of news for you. So if you want, yes, you can take it away and we'll we'll hop right in um all right uh
1: as far as the news or you want to dive into the recaps
0: whatever you want to do if you want to start off at
1: the right. top right. your, we'll, your great news we'll, we'll we'll start it off uh on a high note for sure um there are not words i mean i cannot i, I don't know i never saw this coming um so i will you know get right to the point, but, uh, Andrew McCutcheon has signed a one-year five mil contract to come back to the Pirates. Um, I, I, there are just are not words. I never saw this deal happening. I never saw, I mean, it's what all the fans have wanted for years. Um, so I'll get to why that's exciting, but, uh, if the press conference itself, I mean, he's so pumped to be back in Pittsburgh. His family's happy to be back in Pittsburgh. Um, I mean, he's still got he still got stuff left in the tank. This isn't just a feel good contract. Um, he'll he'll he's still swinging the bat pretty good. He'll still play good in the outfield, and I think he's going to help a lot of these younger guys. Um, I mean, really, kind of get into what it is to play for the city of Pittsburgh. Um, The reason I mean, on top of the excitement I have in Cutchback is this is not a move I would have ever expected us to make. Um, And not just this one. There's a few of them. Um, Santana getting signed. Uh, Granted, these guys are older. Yeah. But the type of contracts that we're putting out and some of the moves that we're making are not things that we were doing in years past. Um, So it's it's making me extremely optimistic we're never going to turn around and be, you know, a hundred mil team. Um, that's just not going to happen, at least not in the near future, but for us to actually say, I don't know, you know, 70, 80 mil team, if we started getting into those kind of numbers, which before anybody listening, who else, you know, as a Pittsburgh fan starts yelling at me, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. I'm just saying these are the kind of moves that, start to transition to that we want to win and that was my favorite thing that Kutch said was um you know I'm not just coming here to come here like I'm coming here to win he wants to win in Pittsburgh um you know and we're a long ways off we still got a lot of young guys and I mean we'll dive into more of that as baseball comes back around but uh man this was like my feel good story you know going into the new you know the new year um I can't even I can't even equate it to I mean I was talking to my wife about it, telling her about it, and I mean the example I used was like had Big Ben played the first ten years in Pittsburgh, went somewhere else, you know, and then came back. Like that is the equivalent here. It's you know <laughs> the I mean it's it's almost like the chosen one coming back to their city. So um yeah. it's just really special. I just I can't even I never, never would have thought this was gonna happen.
0: He definitely my started his career and became the, the all-star that he was in Pittsburgh, and obviously yeah. he, he wanted to still be there when, when they made the trade to get him off the team, so it's definitely bittersweet for him to come back. I mean, obviously he didn't want to leave to begin with, but it... All comes back full circle, and like you said, I mean, he had a pretty decent career or pretty decent season last year with Milwaukee. So it's not like they're just bringing him back to sell tickets. Although I'm sure that's part of it. Um, It's gonna
1: put it's gonna put butts in seats. That's for sure. They
0: they are starting to make a lot more of the aggressive moves. They they brought in old Dick Mountain, Rich Hill, the the big dog, the big lefty, forty three year old, still got plenty in the tank. I'm really Um, blown
1: away by a lot of these moves. I, I'm, I'm not, again, they're not, you know, like a Soto or any kind of crazy pickup. I'm not saying, you know, world series, here we come, but these are the types of moves that as fans for the pirates, we need to see. I mean, we need to see that ownership is wanting to improve
0: for sure. And I think that's, (sighs) that's kind of what they're starting to signal now is they see that you guys have a decent young core that you can build around and, and adding yeah. in some of these, obviously, they're veterans. Uh, you got Kutch on probably the last couple of years of his career. You got Rich Hill. Like I said, he's 43. Uh, yeah. Those guys are great to insert into the into the starting rotation and, and the starting lineup because all the younger guys are going to get to see what it takes to become where they are at or how they got to that point in their career. And and it's really going to be a good thing for obviously the locker room, but you're going to see some results on the field as well. And I think you guys are probably one of the, one of the teams that are best set up to rebound from, I guess you tied with the reds at bottom in the division uh, yeah. to get closer to the top of that division. So, um, and you guys aren't in a, you know, a super deep division either. I mean, especially you have the, now the Cardinals,
1: but, Milwaukee got Milwaukee got gutted. Yep. Um, I, It's closer than it, probably i thought it was going to be going into this year
0: yeah i mean the central both of those divisions on the al side and the nl side i feel like they're both wide open so i wouldn't be surprised at all to see you guys take a a big leap ahead this season and then hopefully um you get to keep building that and and adding that payroll that like you said even if they get up to 80 million they're going to be able to field a yeah. competitive team, probably not for multiple seasons if that's as high as they're willing to go, but you can take advantage of those younger guys on the on the smaller contracts and and add some key veterans in spots and, and really have a successful team. That's how the A's have done it every year for every time they've been competitive. They have good young guys on cheap contracts, and they add in those key veteran pieces to support to add to the, you know, corner outfield or whatever and show the guys what it means to win. So it's definitely a winning winning formula, but you guys have the assets that you could actually invest some more into the payroll if if I think if the owner sees that you guys are starting to make progress, maybe he's willing to go up to 120 or whatever. You guys That's have the, the capital the- to do it. And I guess one thing I, I do want to mention Uh, before I get to my A's, is just that the Padres had to cap season ticket sales because they've invested in their payroll, they've invested in their Mm -hmm. roster, and now they can't can't do anything to keep tickets, you know, available. So it's showing owners that if they're willing to invest in the product on the field, fans are going to want to come to the stands to to see it. So, (laughs) I mean... We've known this forever, but it seems like the owners want to just do the bare minimum to, you know, make a dollar instead of, you know, putting investment into it, and and maybe it doesn't pan out. But I feel like the the rewards that the Padres are seeing right now from investing in their roster are are unmatched. So, and now Great. some sad news, and <laughs> my dad actually just alluded to it. Um, the A's traded. Cole Irvin to the Orioles um, earlier today. Uh, and he is probably the, I don't know, probably the veteran of our rotation at this point. Not that we have a lot of guys, and he's only been a pro for, I think, three years. Uh, but the last two years coming with the A's, and both of them were pretty impressive campaigns. And they traded him for Durrell. I'm probably going to butcher this name, but I feel like it's Ernies. Uh, and he is the 16th ranked prospect in the Orioles farm system. They do have the best farm system in baseball according to like three different outlets, so getting their 16th best prospect is is probably a decent return, but they also had to give up a, a developing bullpen arm as well in addition to Cole Urban to get this guy, so I feel like I don't know what they're trying to do. I know we have plenty of depth in the starting rotation, but not a lot of it is proven. So this feels like a salary dump. Which, I mean, I think I, I think he was only set to make like five million this year. So if that was, you guys, the, uh, if that was the motivation of getting rid of him, it's just embarrassing. I I don't know what else to say about it. I mean, I, I know nothing because you guys offloaded
1: enough salary. Everything. Yeah. I mean there's no need to offload anything. If that oh if that's the motivation, then
0: my God. Yeah, I don't know how much how much more you can strip it down to the bolts. Um in fact I was reading an article yesterday that was projecting out it was on MLB.com, I can't remember who wrote it, but um they were projecting out the team's best players for every single team and what their wins above replacement would be. And for the A's, it was Ramon Laureano, which isn't surprising to me. I mean, he showed a lot of promise in his age 26 season a couple years ago. Uh, had a really good season, but since then he's been riddled with injuries and also got a nice little suspension thrown in there. So, But he was rated to have a 2.5 wins above replacement, which, I mean, that's almost league average. <laughs> and that's going to be our best player. That's not projecting out well for our team. And I know the A's almost always outperform expectations, but if that's kind of the cap of what they think our team can be, it's going to be a a rough season to come. And I guess just a couple other news items from uh, the A's. They did not get the, or I guess Oakland didn't get the bond money that they were expecting to get for the project. So Howard Terminal is kind of, I don't know. I don't want to say dead in the water because I still feel like that's probably their most likely scenario. But I think it's probably now like a 51-49 Howard Terminal to Vegas. Um, yeah. And that's that's pretty rough. I feel like um, Fisher at this point, I mean, there's plenty of reporters for the A's and no one knows what he's thinking but there have been some swirlings that maybe if he if he's not going to get Howard Terminal built, he'd rather just sell the team because he's from that area. He, he lives in the Bay Area. He loves that area. So if he can't have his team there, then maybe he's finally willing to sell. I know Joe Lakeup, the owner of the Warriors, is still interested in purchasing a Major League Baseball franchise. Uh, he was in the bidding for the A's before they sold to John Fisher. So definitely wish it would have went the other way, but maybe we can, maybe we can make amends and get it to Joe Lake of now. Uh, you've seen what he's done with the Warriors franchise and turning it around from the bottom of the NBA to now they are the most valuable team in the NBA. So other than the Knicks, and that's mostly due to uh, real estate, but um, I think that's all I had baseball wise. Obviously we'll talk a ton more baseball as spring training ramps up. We're uh just over two weeks away from pitchers and catchers reporting and then the rest of the team will follow up a, a week later and we'll be in full-blown spring training by by march 1st so best time of the is year it? in my opinion <laughs> but uh it's coming i'm starting the, to think that you are correct it it's definitely the best time of the year especially when your football team's eliminated but um yeah no shit <laughs> which is it's always amazing. for me but uh so Speaking of football, we'll move into that. Um, I'll let you take it away on, on which matchup you want to kind of go over from last week and then. Okay. Um, I'm just going to dive into this
1: one cause it's the one I care to the most about. Uh, so we'll dive into these games, um, from last week. I'm going to start with Kansas city and Jacksonville. Um, obviously it turned out the way probably the majority of us all thought it would turn out with Kansas city winning. Um, but I do got to say I was pretty impressed. I thought Jacksonville, I mean, they hung with them. Um, you know, it was it was a game. At least I really liked this campaign that Jacksonville put together, and I'll get into that a little bit later on too. But um, at the end of the day, unfortunately, uh, Trevor Lawrence lost his first game on a Saturday ever. Um, so that was it's an interesting stat line. But I guess that's all i took from it because kansas city's kansas city we all i guess we basically thought that's where it was going to go but um i don't know i just want to give props to jacksonville they were really fun to watch this year especially late in the season um surprised a lot of people and i hope they can build off that because they're where they were to where they are now you know especially coaching locker room um I mean, it just showed. Yes, they lost that game, but, I mean, it was hold your head high kind of thing, uh, yeah. especially after that ridiculous game against the Chargers. Um, yeah, I just – Kansas City, you know, they are who we thought they were, so to speak. But
0: I'm really happy know that. that. I know. Everybody is. But, uh, no, I think you're right. I mean, I think Coach Dougie P, he was – just what trevor lawrence needed um that and whole team man yeah the whole team yeah i mean he's not kicking his kicker <laughs> or anything like that uh um, right. but no you're right i mean he's and that's why he's in the conversation for coach of the year and we'll, we'll get to that in just a little bit but um i did, I did want to want say to. one
1: sorry oh, one more thing about trevor lawrence on that game and i know it got pretty televised once it got posted the first few times but did you see the video of him after the game uh uh-uh. um so i mean they're getting ready to leave and I, this is what i like about him um you know they lost the game they're all hitting the tunnel uh, i think he was like the third player up the tunnel so i mean i guess he missed two guys but he stopped and waited at the tunnel and shook every single player and coach's hand on their way out win lose whatever that's the kind of person Um, I mean, you, anybody who's listened to this podcast has heard me bitch and complain about Kyler Murray's and, you know, these kind of people, this is what I'm talking about. This guy just lost the playoffs. I mean, you could go, he could have handled things very differently, but he's there thanking his guys for a hell of a season. Um, if I wasn't already in that guy's corner, I mean, watching that happen, I, I will root for Trevor Lawrence, you know, until He quits playing. Um, I think he's a very classy kid. Um, I'm just, I'm happy for him to finally have some success. I mean, he was put in a pretty scary situation going to Jacksonville in the draft. And, um, I don't know, just a really cool moment. And that's, that's what I want to see out of someone who's leading my team.
0: Well, and that's, I think that's the difference between guys that, you know, play football because it makes them a lot of money and guys that, uh, absolutely you know they're there because of the relationships and cuz the love of the game of football and you know that's the tough thing at the end of the season is you're never going to have that exact same team with the same coaches and everything year over year a lot of those guys are going to get cut and and they're going to be replaced with some rookies coming in and and things like that so you can see that passion and and the love for the guys around you and and that's what a great leader does so yeah, it's it's good to see him do that. Obviously, I didn't see it, but I'm glad you told me about that. And, yeah, I mean, there wasn't – the game wasn't – I don't know. I thought Jacksonville would have a decent chance in that game just because how they played him in the first one. I, and I felt like um, – I don't know. The Chiefs are pretty healthy too, but I don't know. You just expect Dougie P to pull out some of that magic. But I did want to mention just real quick – Raf is bragging about his uh, 49ers and not having to look forward to the uh, baseball season quite yet. Uh, Benny said 49ers and the Chiefs in the Super Bowl are his picks, and then uh, well, good because I'm going to discuss all Brock Purdy a little bit later. I hope I hope he's listening. Oh, for sure. And then Raf said he's thinking <laughs> that the Bengals make it into the into the Super Bowl. So we'll get to our picks a little bit later on, but let's move on to the, the Bengals and Buffalo game. And that one for me was, that was the main game that I wanted to watch this, this past weekend. And I definitely had, you know, two horses in the race in terms of Logan Wilson and, and Josh Allen, but I was definitely leaning towards Buffalo because I just love that team. I really do. Yeah. Um, and I didn't expect it to go this way. I thought for sure Buffalo was going to win, at least by a touchdown. And um, obviously, it it never was really that close of a game. It it started just the way the previous game that they had before the Hamlin injury canceled it. Uh, Bengals went down, scored a touchdown. Bills went three and out. Bengals were driving. Obviously, the Hamlin injury happened in the last one. But in this one, uh, Cincinnati, I think did they, they scored a touchdown in the second drive. In, in the divisional yeah. round, so, and it, I mean they never really looked back. I think Buffalo only scored ten points. Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs never really got in a rhythm. Uh, that first Nothing play, good. that first play that they had, uh, Diggs had a step, and Josh just barely sailed it over his head. And Diggs from that point on was just frustrated. You saw shouting along the the sidelines yeah. at each other, and I mean anytime you see that, that's not what you expect from a team that has gone through so much this season and and recovered and had that second seed um but i think Bengals definitely earned it i mean they absolutely dominated this game defense looked great which i think the the snow actually benefited them just because i I feel like that nullified a lot of the passing game for the for the bills and the bills don't have a rushing game uh, and that's something they're going to have to address in this offseason if they want to be a serious competitor. They need a, a number two wide receiver. Um, Gabe Davis has shown up at times. Cole Beasley's cute. But, I mean, Stephon Diggs, if they're doubling him, yeah, you, you got to have a, a counter. Dawson Knox is nice at tight end. But when you don't have a running game and teams can just sit back on their heels and wait for you to throw it, I yeah. mean – Josh Allen's their run game, unfortunately. Yep. And I, I really do like Devin Singletary. I think if so if I. they if they get a better offensive line that can block for him, I, I feel like that's going to be a key to this offseason for them. And I think Singletary's a, a free agent, so maybe they go to the draft and, and get another running back. Maybe they re- bring him back. Um, I really think, and I hate saying this because I absolutely want Josh Jacobs back on the Raiders, but if they put Josh, Josh Jacobs on that Bills team, that would be a dangerous-ass team. So, um, anything you have to add to the to that matchup there? Uh, Other than so, Joe Burrow's a freaking stud.
1: <laughs> as much as I hate to say it. So, I will say this. So, I've been a bit of a hater on Joe Burrow. I told you. I mean, I think he's Joe Namath 2.0, and it bothers me. And I hate his flashy shit. But... So now I'll get off my, you know, my old man, get off my lawn speech. But um, I got to say, I was pretty impressed with him, um, not only through the the Hamlin injury, um, just kind of the way he's conducted himself over the last few weeks. Uh, I guess I, I would say it softened the blow. I don't dislike him as much as I have. It's really hard for me to go for the Bengals. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm obviously pulling for um you know Logan Wilson to to play well and have a good game. Um there's just a lot of bad blood there. So it's really hard for me to go for them. But I will say this, they were the better team. Yep. Um I know the Bills have gone through a lot, not even, you know, with the injury, but other injuries. I mean they've been through a lot this season and you can make all the excuses in the world. At the end of the day, Cincinnati showed up. Um, I think Buffalo selling them tickets early didn't help either. Uh, um, yeah. that seemed, well, I mean, seemed to give, they kind of gave Cincinnati a hell of a, you know, chip on their shoulder. Um uh, I know Joe Burrow made sure to but, mention that.
0: Right. But logistically they had to, I mean, you, you can't have tickets. Yeah. Days. It, it, this happens all the time, but it's just but funny right. that it, it became a storyline. Well, Um, the Bengals feel slighted in every single way because of how the the DeMar Hamlin thing went down and, you know, schedule makers basically just gave them zero opportunity to get home field advantage, even though they technically had a chance. So, yeah, I mean, they definitely feel slighted in every way. And I don't blame them. I'll give you that. And so, I guess in closing, I'm going to try to...
1: It's going to kill me to say this, but I do hope that they go to the Super Bowl out of the AFC. Um And honestly, the way they've played, I think they've earned it. If they end up winning the Super Bowl, they've never had one, I will say I will be happy for them as much as that just pains me.
0: Well, you know if uh, (sighs) Kansas City gets eliminated, no matter what, we're going to have a Wyoming Cowboy with the ring. Because we've got Deshaun Gibson on the 49ers. we got Logan Wilson on the Bengals. And then we have... Uh, Marcus Epps on the Eagles. Oh okay. yeah, so. yep. So no matter what happens there, we're gonna have a a cowboy wearing a ring, which so that's that's, that's another awesome. reason why I really want the Chiefs to lose. Uh, but no, I think one other thing that the Bengals have going for them is Lou Anarumo, I think is how you pronounce it, their defensive coordinator. Oh, yeah, dude, that guy should be on every coaching search list. I Seriously. mean. Look what he's doing with he's be, he's able to hide the deficiencies in that cornerback room. I mean, he's got no one out there to cover. You have Eli Apple as a starting cornerback for your team, and you're shutting the most prolific passing offense in, in the NFL down. I mean, he, he and nobody's shut down, calling, nobody's no, calling for him either. And that's no, just his name's politics. not even mentioned. It's insane. But he shut down Mahomes. He shut down Josh Allen. Like, why is he not? on the top of these coaching searches, especially when you see like retreads, like we'll get to it. But Frank <laughs> yeah. Wright got hired today for the, the Carolina Panthers. I, I just don't get it. But anyway, we'll get off that game. So we're not talking about it for an hour. <laughs> yeah. uh, the the Eagles and Giants game obviously didn't go the way that we were hoping for. Uh, no, I love Brian Dable. I think he's an absolute stud of a head coach. Um, i'm excited to see what he does with the full offseason to you know make the the roster what he wants it to be they say they want to bring back saquon they say they want to bring back daniel jones i don't know if they'll bring back both um saquon's probably going to be the harder one of the two but since he's a running back you can free or you can tag him and that's a, a lot lower number than tagging daniel jones to bring him back so um We'll see what happens with that. The game wasn't really much to, to talk about. The Giants were pretty much outmatched right from the get go. Uh, I thought they would be a lot closer in this game. Uh, I did pick the Eagles to win this, um, but I was definitely hoping for the Giants. And I think it, this. I was just
1: gonna say I think this is one of them days. I think this was Philadelphia on all cylinders. Um, I think it was just a really. This is what I was worried about. Is I th- I thought New York could hang with them, unless yeah. Philly came out and played a perfect game,
0: and it happened. And they did.
1: So yeah. Teams do this every year, all throughout the season. They come out and just something's clicking. And my God, something was clicking.
0: Yeah, I don't think they made a mistake the whole game. And no, honestly, the the main reason I gave the Giants a, a chance in this is because I know um, Jalen Hurts practiced all week, but coming off a shoulder injury that oh, he was man. to his throwing arm, I didn't think there was any way he was going to be at full strength. And he looked pretty much at full strength. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Tough. So, th- I think that's about as deep as we need to get in that game. I think it was like, what, 31 to 14 or something. Extremely And, and, it, uh, and the 14 came, I mean, it's that's not even a true indicator of how that game went. All that was late. Yeah. So, um, that obviously we don't need to talk any anymore about that one. Uh, the one that RAF was most ick it, or most tuned into was the Dallas and San Francisco game. And honestly, that game I thought was going to be a blowout in, in San Francisco's way, but it really wasn't. I mean, 12 to 19, neither team looked great on offense. Um, obviously the, the Niners did enough to win. I think it was, like you said, 12 to 19. Uh, Dak looked awful the entire game. Uh, I don't. What do you think they do with him? You think they try to move on or.
1: I think that ship has sailed. I, I don't know that they actually do move on, but if they aren't trying to, I think they're doing a disservice to the team. I'm not saying Dak can't be successful somewhere at some level. Um, I just. Dallas is just a very unforgiving place, especially to play quarterback. Yep. Um, I mean, <laughs> Roger Staubach and uh, Troy Aikman are going to haunt Dallas quarterbacks for always. Um, I don't know. I First thing I want to say is everybody's always hard on Dallas for the playoffs, and they've earned that reputation. But I do want to say, before I dive into anything else, they played a hell of a game, especially oh, yeah. on the defensive side. Yes, Defense I realized the offense was atrocious, but nobody saw this game being this way. Um, and they shut down San Francisco considering what they're capable of. Um, so to be fair, I, they deserve props because they're tore apart for their postseason woes. And rightfully so in the past. I get that. But I don't think that was the case in this game. Uh, both well, defenses dominated the game. Yes, Dak. I mean, the offense let their defense down. But this wasn't like the we show up and we didn't show up kind of game, which they've done in the past. Um, It was a nitty-gritty. They deserve some props, um, you know, whether you're a Dallas fan or not.
0: And Tony Pollard, probably their best offensive weapon. I still don't know why they even put Ezekiel Elliott on the field. I mean, I understand he's getting paid a ton, so maybe they want to at least – try to see if they can revitalize his career. But I think at this point, the ship has sailed, and Tony Pollard obviously went out with a injury. I think it was late second quarter, early third, somewhere around there. Uh, and after that point, I mean, it was a really one-dimensional game. Um, and outside of CeeDee Lamb, they don't really have anyone to throw to either. I mean, they've got that tight end, Dalton Schultz. He's, he's pretty decent, but outside of that, I mean, yeah, but he's he, Go he's ahead. good.
1: He's just not a game changer. I mean, it's I mean, he's not Travis Kelsey. You know what right. I mean? Like, well,
0: there's only one of
1: those. <laughs> yeah, that's one too many. But um, <laughs> I, you're right. I mean, they need to add something. And it's crazy to me, being in Dallas of all places, that that has not been addressed more.
0: Uh, Well, they had Michael Gallup, and he was great last year, but tore his ACL and came back this year. And, I mean, he was a shell of himself. So I don't know if he'll be back better, healthy next year. But, yeah, they definitely need to add if they want. Dak's not going to carry a team to the playoffs and through the playoffs. I don't think many quarterbacks can do that. So
1: Dallas fans will probably hate me for this. And don't get me wrong, C.D. Lamb has big play potential, and he's really good. But for me, I don't see him as a number one receiver still. Um, I'm very much stuck in my ways. Like my all-time favorite wide receiver to ever play in the NFL is Larry Fitzgerald. That is what I want for a number one wide receiver. And it's weird to we me. can't all have we, George Pickens. <laughs> well, I, I, it's, I can get into this on another pod. But <laughs> I feel like the league has gone away from that. And I've never I don't understand why. I don't know if it's too hard to find. Um. Whatever. Demonte we have Ups. a lot of. <laughs> we. It just seems like these smaller, speedier outrunner is kind of taking over on these offenses. Um, and granted, the offenses have changed a little bit, but I'll, I'll talk about this on another pod. I just, to your point, I don't think C.D. Lamb is even the answer. I think he's a amazing number two wide receiver. They need somebody that, I mean, is going to dominate a game.
0: It all started um, with Freddie B. And Cliff Branch and Al Davis, go. and it everyone saw that and was just like, "Oh my God, we have to have this." But it's true. No, I think my dad just uh, said that they messed up dealing Amari Cooper, uh, and I think that's absolutely true. Especially, I mean, they what essentially they dealt him for is what killed me. Yeah, they gave him away essentially, just because of his salary number and. Really, $20 million for a wide receiver is pretty much the going rate now. So, yeah, Mari Cooper yeah. in that offense would have made a huge difference when you don't have Gallup for a good chunk of the season and Tony Pollock goes out. At least you got a couple options out there to throw the ball. So, excellent point, Benny. Um, anything else you want to break down with that one other than, I don't know, talk about Brock Purdy because – well, I was I was going to talk about this
1: offensive of rookie of the year down, and I can get into okay. it a little bit more down here. But um, I just want to say, you he's go looked
0: okay. So in the two games I've watched, I didn't get to watch the uh, first one. Who did they play first? Oh, geez. Who was the seven seed? My God, I feel like this was uh, Seahawks. Now. Seahawks. Oh yeah. Okay, so that that game, I only got to watch about the first quarter. I got obviously I went back and watched it, but that first quarter looked pretty rough for me. He was uh, not on his game, I would say, hit throwing throwing late, uh, off target quite a bit. But it seems like as the game progresses, he he calms down and, and starts to to be a lot more accurate and make better reads uh, and use his legs a little bit more. Seem to be the case against Dallas. I don't know that he ever really got in a good groove, though. Uh, and a lot of that's, you know, you got Micah Parsons on the other side. You got a lot of decent weapons on that defensive side of the football. So that's the only thing that concerns me going into this game this upcoming weekend. Um, and we'll break that down a little bit more. But I was more interested to hear what, what you had to say because I really do like him. And so do I. So do I. Six, seven, whatever games he's played in so far is not a small sample size at this point. Um, everyone's just waiting for him to have those rookie moments where he, you know, makes questionable throws or panics, whatever. And the the kid just looks like he's got ice in his veins. I, I obviously don't think he's the, you know, Jack, next Joe Burrow or something yet. But uh, he's, he's looking right. pretty good.
1: He's looking pretty good. So I will start with that as well. I actually really like him. I think his story is awesome. Mr. Elephant. you know, we're talking about, you know, Lance and Garoppolo beginning of the season. And then let's just be honest. He's, you know, had, he's had the better games than anybody really. Um, so that's going to be an interesting storyline moving forward, obviously. Um, but in my defense, so before I get going. Brad's <laughs> got his popcorn ready. They, uh, they poked the bear on this one. So um, this storyline has come up a lot recently comparing Brock Purdy and my boy, Kenny Pickett. So yes, I'm extremely biased, but this comparison, because I keep seeing it is just really starting to piss me off. It's the most ridiculous comparison on the planet. Brock Purdy has played some great games. No, I'm going to say good games but <laughs> I don't know if that look at the stat line and look at how the game really went. That game's not flowing through Brock.
0: Hey, Curry. Hey, those, uh, little screen plays to Christian McCaffrey go as 50 yard passes. So, so this <laughs> is my point is
1: so that Niners team is stacked. No one can argue against it. That, that Niners team is a pretty safe place to put a quarterback. Let's For sure. just say, um, so I'll say that. And then obviously Kenny Pickett's, you know, inductee into the NFL was not, you know, the 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 smoothest with the controversy. And, you know, they threw him in the middle of the season when we thought the season was lost. To and I'm not saying that Kenny Pickett should be offensive rookie of the year. What I am saying is all of the, the news outlets and the podcasts out there that are comparing these two. It is apples to oranges, and unless you put these two on the same team and let them sling it, you know, comparing, it's just an asinine comparison. Um, it, it's it's mostly came about because, obviously, Kenny was the first quarterback taken, Brock being the last quarterback. You know, they're talking about buyer's remorse with the Steelers, and I can tell you right now we have none. Um, so with that being said, my only knock on Brock is – I need to see more. I don't like that the key to the city is already being handed to him. Um, it's, it's crazy to me how it, well, it's just weird because they're never the same because one, one rookie can come in and do the same thing. And it's like, well, I need to see more. We'll see what he does in a full season. And then I don't know what the deal is with Brock Purdy, but everyone is, it's because of the Mr. Irrelevant thing. I'll be honest with you. It's a storyline. Um, but I mean they're paving the road in gold for him already
0: it's just no, very weird to me I think you're right in terms of landing in a great situation um Kyle Shanahan's offense is definitely molded around the run um, a lot of those quick play action passes or screen plays things like that uh, that are all built off the run so and when you have a great running game off obviously they've ran they've gone through a couple running backs due to injuries um but Christian McCaffrey adding him, it's a pretty decent safety valve. You saw how Sam Darnold looked without Christian McCaffrey and with him. Uh, the splits were pretty pretty remarkable. Weird. Um, no, I, th- I think, yeah, we need to see more for sure. He's got a number one defense behind him. Uh, the- a great rushing game, great play designs, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, and Brandon Ayuk, and on and on and on, Trent Williams to be clear. <laughs> to, to be clear, I'm in his corner. I, I wish him
1: success. For sure. I think it's awesome. Um, I mean, that's the dream, you know, seventh-round pick,
0: but, come in and play. But, but this is the winning formula. <laughs> I mean, you get a, a quarterback on a rookie contract, and you can build every corner of your roster because you're only paying a guy. You know, X amount of dollars. Um, the only thing that is a downside of that, though, is
1: so say he has a couple successful years, the Niners better pay him soon because well, he doesn't yeah. have that fifth year, and somebody yeah. will take him.
0: They're not eligible to uh, extend oh, I realize. I just three mean, years, but yeah. Right. Yeah, it's going to be sooner than later, and Raph's saying he's done more than my boy Jimmy G, and I don't think we've seen a sailing, which... Okay, I so I, I don't know that I agree. We don't but know. It's, it's all on, unknown. Hang on. I still <laughs> want to talk about Kenny Pickett because I feel like the job that he's done is very impressive. I mean, Mitch Trubisky definitely dug a hole there for him. Uh, you guys were eliminated from the playoffs, you know, nine weeks into the, into the season, according to everyone, and right down to the last game. I mean, I still feel like you guys should have been the – the seven seed um, over the Dolphins because obviously I mean, the I, Dolphins I'll be
1: a realist for you. I mean I thank you for that. That makes me happy well, to hear. You guys had um, a team. Yeah, but there's there was too many games during the season that we made our own
0: dumb mistakes and gave away. Um, right. But if you're I, I mean, mean if you're some close games. That's what I wish like for the tiebreaker, they would do something like last six game record or something like that because the dolphins didn't win a game. I think they lost seven in a row to the end of the season or something like that. And still snuck into the playoffs six games Uh, in a row, something like that. You guys won like five and went five and two or something like that. And a lot of that's Tua being injured, but like obviously they played without Tua against the bills. And if they had him, maybe they win that game. Maybe you guys upset the bills in that game because you have a full team. Um, and it, that's the frustrating thing for me. And what Kenny Pickett was able to do in his limited time. I mean, he's already got a a great connection with all of his offensive weapons. Offensive line is not great around him. Defense is good. Um, although I think you guys struggled against, uh, was it the run or the pass this year? I can't remember. We need some cornerbacks, but yes, we we can pass. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I'm excited to see what Pickett does. I'm excited to see what Brock Purdy does. But, yeah, I mean, the, the uh jury's guess, still out on both of them. I, for I sure. guess to my point
1: is everybody should just be happy for any of these young men having success. It, it yes. doesn't need to be this or that. Um, the one thing I'll say to your point, though, is I always say it about other teams. Um, we were relying on three other teams to lose games that last week. Um, so that's on us. I would I love to have been in the playoffs? Sure. Um, I mean, I still, with the way we started, the fact that Tomlin still doesn't have a losing season, um, that was that was a good enough finish for me because, like I talked about, um, the future is what I'm looking at, and right now I'm feeling pretty damn happy about the young guys on that team.
0: For sure. So I'll leave it at that. All right. So now we can get into award season and – Do you want to just go, like, the order we have them listed here? I like it. Okay. So, starting with uh, most valuable player, we've got five finalists, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, Justin Jefferson, and Patrick Mahomes. So, from those five, who do you have as your MVP of the league? So, I really...
1: Up until here really recently, this would have been a no-brainer for me. Um, I would have been Josh Allen all day because, for me, I don't like the way the most valuable player is ran a lot of seasons because, to me, it's not necessarily numbers. It's not necessarily any of that. It's literally, uh, like for for the Steelers, I would use TJ Watt as an example. If you look at the win-loss record when he's on the field and when he's not, he is our most valuable player it's there's just no argument around it so for me i really want to put josh allen because i think that bill's team at all the playoff teams that were left has less weapons than anybody else and it showed um josh kept him in a lot of games and kept things moving and and hit a lot of the deficiencies of that offense especially through the injuries i wanted to go josh allen i'm you know i'm biased we love the guy but um and again this is going to pain me um especially here late. It's the same thing they did last year. I'm actually going to give my nod to Joe Burrow. Um, What he's doing and how he's carrying that team. Um, I mean, it's who you want. That's, that's what you want to see at that position. Um, I don't think they could do any of what they're doing without him. I'm sure they got a lot of talent, uh, but he's, he's what brings that offense together and what keeps them clicking. So, and he, as much as I hate some of his persona, it's also kind of one of those things that drives the team and gives them that chip on their shoulder. So I don't know. I'm going to go Joe Burrow.
0: Yeah. And probably up until the last couple of weeks, I, I was going to go Patrick Mahomes. Um, I, I definitely think the uh, argument could be made for Josh Allen, but I think especially in the last, I don't know, Six games of the season, he had like four turnovers in the red zone, uh, started turning the ball over a lot. I think he went through a stretch where he had like 12 turnovers in six games or something like that, Uh, was close to the top of the league in interceptions this year, had quite a few fumbles uh, right towards the end of the season. So while he's still, you know, I mean, I think eight weeks into the season, he was still responsible for every single touchdown that the that the Bills had, uh, whether it was rushing or passing. Um, so that's pretty impressive performance. I still think he deserves a nod, but, um, uh, Mahomes carried his team to the number one seed, despite losing his number one overall weapon in, in trap or not Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, obviously he still has Travis Kelsey, but with a ragtag group of, of uh wide receivers, they put together around him. Still found a way to win and still get that number one seed. So, I, I love Joe Burrow. I love what he did, uh, and he's still undefeated against Patrick Mahomes. Maybe that changes this weekend. I hope not, but I, I think Patrick Mahomes is probably the the MVP. Um, yeah, I think that's that's who I'm going to go with there. I mean, uh, that's not a bad pick either. Yeah. All right, so this one's gonna this one's gonna sting you a little bit, but uh, AP Defensive Player of the Year. We'll will put the caveat that TJ Watt was uh, injured for a good chunk of the season. So. This doesn't sting me at all. The fact that he made the okay. playoffs okay. just
1: shows how ridiculous voting is. He he barely played this year. He should not be up for anything. I love the guy, but come
0: okay. on. So the the three finalists for Defensive Player of the Year are. Nick Bosa, 49ers defensive end. Uh, Chris Jones, Chiefs defensive tackle. Mike Parsons, Cowboys defensive end slash linebacker. Who you got? Oh, no, you got to go first this time. Well, (laughs) this one pains me to say because uh, he took the uh, defensive rookie of the year away from my guy, Max Crosby, even though Max Crosby had a statistically better season. Uh, but Nick Bosa, I think he's undisputably the defense player of the year for me.
1: Yeah, I, I'm in a complete agreeance. I want to go Michael Parsons because he's one of my favorite defenders in the league right now. Um, he's unreal. I love him at the linebacker because I love linebackers. I mean, it's for me, it's the, the heart of the defense, but it's, you can't argue against what Nick Bosa did this season. Um, you know, very much in a TJ Watt fashion, the way he came into games. And um, I mean, he completely changed the flow of a lot of their games and with them having the run game offense and kind of the way the 49ers operate. Those are big impacts. Um, I mean, they were, they really really changed the way a lot of games ended up. So
0: I'm yeah. complete agreeance. It's both all the way. I will say it pains me that Max Crosby's not on this list, but it's understandable. I feel like he, six and 11. I guess he never gets to me no. what he's dude. He, he got snubbed, man. He wasn't even on the all pro team, first team or second team. And he was eighth in sacks, but he was one or two in every other defensive stat for defensive line. So that's the crazy Popularity thing contest, man. It's all yeah. it is. And to be fair, Mike Parsons, I think he's the closest thing we've seen to LT since, um, Dude's an he's absolute fun animal. to
1: watch, man. And I see some people try to hate on him because he's
0: I mean, you know, a lot of people hate
1: on the Cowboys. Um I I love that dude, man. He is just fun to watch. If you like watching football, especially defensive football, watch mega Parsons. That dude is fun to watch.
0: All right, so moving on to – oh, Benny said Freddie Warner should have been nominated, which I'm sure – Dude, I do that. love Freddie Warner, man. I love he's, that guy. He's a stud. Um, so moving on to Offensive Player of the Year, we've got four candidates. We've got Tyreek Hill, Jalen Hurts, Justin Jefferson, and Patrick Mahomes. Um, who you got from that group?
1: Um, oh, man. This one was really hard for me because I tried to – basically the same argument I make for most valuable player. It's the opposite kind of. Um, so for me, I got to go Jalen hurts. Um, he has a hell of a team in front of him. Don't get me wrong. And I know that's a big part of it, but um, I mean, it, a season ago there were people, you know, talking about whether he was the guy or not even and, start of this season. Yeah. And he's, and I picked him to do really well last year. I was a season too early. Um, but I think he's finally pieced it together, and he's another one, man. If you watch his his interviews and things, he's just he's 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 a lot more humble um than a lot of the quarterbacks in the league. and um I mean, he's good for the team, so he he performed the stats are there. obviously the wins are there. you know they had an amazing season. Um, I got to go Jalen Hurts for sure.
0: I, I don't disagree, but I feel like this is a non-quarterback award because quarterbacks always get MVP. Uh, so with that in mind, I don't think they'll go quarterback here. Uh, but for me, it's, it's Justin Jefferson. Uh, you could argue maybe Tyreek Hill had slightly better stats, but he also had Jalen Waddle, And I mean, that offense was very threatening with Justin Jefferson. I mean, he essentially had um, Thielen until halfway through the season. Then they added, uh, what's that tight end that they added from Detroit? TJ Hawkinson. Oh. So until they had Hawkinson, I mean, it was essentially a, well, I, I guess you could argue that the running back there is pretty decent too, but he's often injured, so... I feel like Justin Jefferson was getting doubled in every single game and still put up the numbers that he did, and it's absolutely insane. Tyreek Hill faces a lot of doubles too, but you can't double everyone, and Jalen Waddle freed him up a little bit when they're you know, going man-to-man, which is insane. I I, I like that pick. I have a a funny tidbit about Justin. Well, it includes Justin
1: Jefferson. Um, Go ahead. I had had a funny conversation with a guy I work with. uh, Jesse Moore shout out to him uh, we were just talking about some of the playoff teams but we just thought it was hilarious it, it's it's crazy that Joe Burrow came in to the NFL and his receiving room took a hit and took a step down <laughs> yeah because like I mean really think about that like that it never really hit me till he brought it up and I was like God that's damn. insane
0: yeah, he that's has crazy. so much. That Cause may he had have Justin been Jefferson and Jamar Chase. Like that's correct. I would say in our lifetime, I would say like the USC team with Leinart, Bush, uh, Williams, and then you have that Burrow team at LSU with Jamar Chase, that's Justin stupid. Jefferson, Joe Burrow, and they had a good defense too. It's insane the amount of talent that was on that roster. So of course they won a, a national championship, but. You're right. A little bit off topic, but I was just well, like, "Wow!" The sad thing is, crazy. is, I still think the the Bengals have like the best three wide receivers in the league. If
1: I mean, you the, if you go trios, teams. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. You got Jamar Chase, you got T Higgins, and uh, Tyler Boyd. T- Tyler Boyd, yep. That that's a pretty impressive trio right there. So, all right, moving on to AP. Offensive Rookie of the Year, you have three candidates, Brock Purdy, Kenneth Walker, and Garrett Wilson. Um, Yeah. I don't know if I want to go first. I I, I want to mention, my dad did say, okay, let me just mention real quick, um, Olave's not on this list, and I feel like that's a pretty big slight, especially where he contributed all season for the Saints and Purdy like you said Mr. Avallant uh, I I think that played into it but he only played what 6 right 5 regular season games 6 regular there, season games There's another rookie that has Well, Kenny Pickett. Yes. No. 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 Nope, nope. Oh.
1: Pickens. Yeah, if you look at his stat line for uh for um big plays and contested catches what's up? Yeah, well, I get it. it. I get it. I get it. Um I'll go ahead and go first though I really will. Um, okay. So I'm not picking Brock Purdy. I can tell you that. Um, Not anything against him. I just think that the sample size is way too small. And this is what I'm talking about. Um, I feel like they're rolling out the carpet a little too soon. Um, Garrett Wilson looked good. Um, I think he had some real flashes, but on the team he's on, we also didn't really get to see him even close to full potential. Um, So I'm actually, I got to go Kenneth Walker. the dude ran like a monster. And I know I know the Seattle Seahawks ended on kind of a sour note, you know, obviously going out of the playoffs and stuff, but they weren't nah. expected to even go. I was gonna say um, that was an amazing
0: Between stretch there.
1: Kenneth Walker coming in and running like he did, and then obviously Gino having, you know, what I mean no one saw that coming. Um
0: I I to yeah, with
1: Kenneth Walker, I think he was <laughs> he was huge to that team. For sure.
0: We, I think I had them winning two games this year, and you had them winning three or four. I can't remember. Something like that. I, I thought they were cooked. Yeah. So, no, I, I think Kenneth Walker is going to be an absolute monster in this league. Uh, love that number nine on him. Never liked nine on a running back, but damn, it looks good on him. Um, but I, I'm going to have to go Garrett Wilson in this one just because of the absolute dog shit he was handed in terms of quarterbacks, and still putting up the numbers that he did, and honestly, it was like Zach Wilson didn't want to throw him the football. So until like they he got, avoided him for entire yeah. games. So until, if if you factor that in and what he did with Joe Flacco and Mike White at quarterback, I mean, it's impressive what Mike he White, did. So quarterback of the future. Yeah. No, I think they're gonna let him go too. I. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that in just a minute, what I think is going to happen with the Jets. But we'll, we'll end right there for that. Um, okay, here we go. Raf says, Purdy has five regular season starts. Miami should count as a sixth. Office kind improved a lot when he came in, but yes, him being in there is a stretch. So even even a 49ers fan agrees that he probably shouldn't be on this list with the small sample size. And yeah, Pickens, I think, should be on this list. I think Alave has an argument too. So Alave was awesome this year. I mean, I I was so ex-
1: my dad's a Saints fan, so I was so pumped for him when they picked him up because he was unreal in college.
0: I wish um, I could say that the uh, Raiders had a guy snubbed from this list, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't think they. I think the only good <laughs> <laughs> rookie we had was a uh, offensive lineman. So. I don't think they picked those for that. But I would anyway. love, to, I would love to see an offensive lineman win
1: offensive rookie of the year one Yeah, year.
0: that would be we gotta amazing. Get a, we got to get a big nasty in there, but I feel like he's going to have to be one of those like Penesuil, uh, eligible right. tackle, getting a couple tight end touchdowns or something for that to happen. Yes, I love it. My, <laughs> my
1: new, my hope for next season is an offensive lineman winning rookie of the year.
0: We got to so, get MVP. some Let's some, go for it. Some thick sixes in there. All right. <laughs> <laughs> defensive rookie of the year. And this one, I want to say it's a, a landslide in one direction, but I, I think you could make arguments for the other two. Uh, we got Sauce Gardner, uh, Jets cornerback, Aiden Hutchinson, Lions defensive end, and then Tariq Wollin, uh Seahawks cornerback. Who you got in this one? Um. I mean, I'm, I'm going to go
1: with the popular vote here, but with a little caveat here, I do think sauce Gardner is going to get it. And I do think he is deserving. Um, he's had an amazing rookie campaign. Um, I mean, being in a jets uniform, I'm having, and mind you, I am not saying he is the same cornerback, but I mean, it's kind of flashbacks to the old Revis days. Um, yeah. Which by the way, he's still the greatest ever, in my opinion, at cornerback. Um, Sorry, Bill, uh, <laughs> but I do gotta go. Sauce Gardner. I do want to make a very Thomas good like you argument. Never heard of
0: Charles Woodson. And there it is.
1: <laughs> um, God do it. Uh, I do want to make an argument, though. Aiden Hutchinson. Um, the reason this was close for me is because I'm, I'm a big believer that you. I mean, just like you can't have an offensive lineman win offensive rookie of the year. Um, you can't weigh positions the same. Uh, a cornerback like Sauce, he's going to shut down one side of the field. Someone like Aiden Hutchinson, I mean, he was—he changed the tempo of games completely. Um, so I wanted—I wanted to go Aiden Hutchinson, but um, Gardner had a good enough season that I do think he takes it.
0: Or we—or we could go back if you want to go to the original two-four. Willie Brown. <laughs> like come on Kyle wow wow Jesus just gonna say it's fine you're you're a young cat didn't watch the the old Raiders it's fine (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm telling you right I'm telling
1: you right now that
0: he doesn't have a step on Revis okay so uh, I'm I'm in agreement with you it's sauce Gardner but I feel like Aiden Hutchinson had three picks as a defensive end, had a bunch of sacks. And they were impressive plays, too. Yes. Like, the guy is an absolute freak at at defensive end. Um, so, I, I love everything Aiden Hutchinson did. I think he absolutely deserved to be in this conversation. Tariq Willen had more interceptions than any cornerback, I believe, in yep. this in this season. Uh, but Sauce Gardner was the proverbial shutdown quarterback or cornerback. You put him on the number one receiver and shut him down, or you put him on the number two, have, you know, cornerback from the other side and a safety bracket the the number one receiver, and he'll take care of business. Most quarterbacks stopped even looking his way, probably six games into the season, so that's going to account for some of those interceptions not being up quite to what Tariq Woolen had. Uh, but Tariq Woolen was also one of those guys I mentioned the Raiders should draft. I will say, uh, granted they. Traded for Devontae Adams, so they couldn't get him. But um yeah, Sauce Gardner, excellent season, but definitely want to give props to Aiden Hutchinson and Tariq Willen as well. Um also player. Oh, go ahead. What were you gonna say?
1: I was just gonna say also another player that I do not like how flashy they are, Sauce Gardner.
0: Yeah. Put the me medallions see. away, sir. Uh, if if you've been if you haven't <laughs> been to B dubs. He does have a soft sauce for the boneless wings. He does. And it is fantastic. So tip of the cap. I to have not tried it. For the soft sauce. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on to AP Comeback Player of the Year. And this one was tough for me. Real tough. I can't uh, wait to hear this. You want me to go first? Well, sure. Okay. I'll read the, the candidates. You got Saquon Barkley. Giants running back, Chris McCaffrey, 49ers running back, and Geno Smith, Seahawks quarterback. You could argue that Chris McCaffrey, I mean, but he's always hurt, so you feel like that's almost expected for him to be in this. As Quan Barkley had, he came back looking like the guy that he was before his injury, so that's very impressive. But I feel like Geno Smith, like, what seven years since his last starting job coming back and and having the season that he did elevating the Seahawks to a playoff contending team yeah um really I think he he broke every single record that uh Russell Wilson had as quarterback of the Seahawks obviously he had one more game than than Russell Wilson did but I think Everyone writing that team off saying how garbage they were going to be, including me, including you. Um, I just feel like what he did was very deserving of that, that honor. So I'm going to go with Geno Smith.
1: Okay. Um, I'm going to start with Christian McCaffrey. Cause I don't think he should even be on the list and it's not a knock on him. Um, my issue is. To have a comeback year, you have you should have this, you know, obviously a good year through adversity, that kind of stuff. But to change teams, obviously you weren't having that great of a year early on. Um, I don't know. That just – it doesn't sit well with me because he went to a, quote, unquote, powerhouse. I don't know if powerhouse is the right term, but they're stacked. Um, so I, I don't know. It doesn't quite – resonate with me the same as the other two do um i wanted to go geno smith i really did because i mean wow he really i mean no one no one thought he was going to do what he was going to do uh, especially with the russell wilson drama and um you know to see russell wilson struggle like he did all season and geno smith kind of thrive and come into his own it was very fun to watch um but I got to go say Quan Barkley, this, this is what everybody was waiting for um, season after season after season. Um, I don't know. I was, I was pretty impressed. I I thought he was going to come back and have a good season, but I didn't think he was going to come back, especially those, that first half of the season, those games were ridiculous. Um, I mean, he was running like a man possessed. And I mean, I told you, I got a soft spot for the
0: giants. So um, yeah. I got to go Saquon. Yeah. And Raf has a great argument in terms of how the uh, 49ers were performing before McCaffrey showed up. I just feel like, I mean, he's been up for this award, it seems like, every single year because with the Panthers, he was hurt every season. He'd come back, have a great quarter or three quarters of a season. You, you can't blame him. Then and also –
1: also, the stats that's what I mean. You can't use the stats as a comparison, even because Christian McCaffrey went to a Niners run first offense that was basically tailor made to insert him in. And I mean, he thrived. And that's why I don't think that. I mean, this, the 49ers should be the comeback player of the year over Christian McCaffrey, if, if that's my argument. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just, it's not the same for me. Saquon the Giants are like the Seahawks. They were not expected to do anything. Um, So that's why I think Gino and Saquon have more of an argument is because their teams were written off pretty early on. And I mean, these two gentlemen were huge parts of why their teams even were a conversation come fall Um, or, you know, I guess, late season, beginning of the year. So I got to go Saquon still. Sorry, ref.
0: It's fine. I mean, we can obviously dis- disagree on whatever. I, I think they got it right in terms of who the finalists were for sure, and I think arguments could be made for for all three of them. But the
1: the the thing I hate about Comeback Player of the Year is they're all. It's a letdown for me every year because no one will ever top Alex Smith. <laughs> it, every sure. time I see the list, I'm like,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. But did they almost lose a leg?
1: Yeah. yeah. Like, okay. did you really face adversity?
0: I don't know. That's terrible, right. but it's how I feel. Moving on. This one, this one is really Easy. annoying Easy. to me. Okay. Why? Well, Why? I'm I, gonna make. I'm gonna make you go first, and then I'm gonna tell okay. you what I disagree with and who I think got super snubbed. Um, but AP Coach of the Year, you got five candidates. You got Brian Dable uh, from the Giants, Sean McDermott from the Bills, Doug Peterson from the Jags kyle shanahan from the 49ers and nick sirianni from the eagles so from those five who do you have and then if you want to throw in an honorable mention or something anyone you think might have got snubbed no i I steal
1: the thunder i i don't i don't need five names they only should have put one up there Um, and who you got doug peterson it's hands down for me i don't i love brian Dable, and i i could make an argument for him he would be my second pick but Doug Peterson, this goes beyond football for me Um, for what that team was under urban Meyer, what that dumpster fire looked like. Um, And I mean, I guess it goes for the team as well, but you know, he's at the lead of it. That team very well could have just crumbled and continued to crumble regardless of who came in. I mean, it was awful. Every, every way that a, a coaching staff could, you know, ruin a team that had happened this season before um just no unity everything was just terrible for 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 doug to come in and do what he's done with this team a young team obviously um you know he proved that trevor lawrence can be successful um that defense is something that i think is going to continue to grow into something pretty special um mr muma we like to see that and wingard and I'll dealing. even enjoy to shout, but uh, for me, it's Doug Peterson, and it, it's it's beyond football. It's locker room. It's inspiring young men. It's literally getting a group of people who were they dreaded going every day to the facility. I mean, they mm-hmm. hated it under Urban Meyer, and to actually have them do what they've done and enjoy football again. I mean, that's for me, hands down, Doug Peterson. It's not even a conversation for me
0: that's fair and that's that's my choice as well i think coach coach dougie p did a great job uh inspiring those men to to make a huge rebound and and take that team where i think they were not going to ever get under urban meyer um i will say that i think not even including like you know the andy reeds zach taylor on this list yeah it's almost like you get punished for sustained success but You do. You really do. Andy Reid, I think, is probably one of the best coaches every single year in the season. So hate having him in the division, but (laughs) got to give him props. I'll give you Andy Reid. And I saw a stat
1: line for him the other day. Um, And it's really crazy to think about because it's never been done before. Did you see that 10 postseasons with two different teams? He's the first coach to ever do that. Um, I mean, that's pretty ridiculous, honestly. That's pretty special. But to have that success with two different franchises, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard enough to, to build a team once. Um, that's, I don't know, pretty special, but you're right. They're never going to be on these lists. Um,
0: and that's why I was kind of surprised Shanahan was just because yeah. it seems like was my he's got his team. It. He's got his team in the playoffs. Seems like every year um, McDermott, I think obviously all the stuff that they went through this season was, you know, a deserving candidate to be on the list. Nick Sirianni, best record in the league. Um, yeah, I mean, all those guys. And then Brian Dable, huge turnaround as well. But I don't yeah. think anyone did the coaching job that that Peterson did. And if I was going to give a second place, it would be Dable. But I did want to just at least mention Zach Taylor because the job that he's done in Cincinnati has been phenomenal. Same thing with Andy Reid. So. agree. Doug Peterson, but I mean there's so the many coaches WP. that d- deserve a spot on this list. So um AP, assistant coach of the year. <laughs> this one This one was I, easy for me too. Okay. Go. <laughs> We've got Ben Johnson, D'Amico Ryans, and Shane Steichen. Well, I'll give you a clue. He,
1: he has the name of one of my favorite Western actors ever who was a stunt man before that. Um, Ben Johnson, man, I'm all, I'm all in on Ben Johnson. Um, my God, that lion's offense. All I'm saying is that division should be terrified if they ever get a defense that will stop anybody else. Cause what they were able to do with what they have is awesome. Um, and I'm, I mean, I'm happy for Goff, man. Uh, he was written off, you know, when that trade happened for Stafford, it was, well, you know, they're, they're getting seconds. He, he's washed out, you know, washed up. They're not going to get anything out of him. And he's played a pretty damn good season considering. Um, and then, uh, oh my God, I'm blanking on his damn name. They're running back, man. I love that dude. Watch one interview of his. And you will fall in love with that, man.
0: He is hilarious. Oh, you're talking uh, about uh, the guy uh, from BYU. I can't remember his name. Top why
1: can't I not remember his name?
0: No, I know exactly who you're talking about. But He
1: is so funny. I love that dude. Yeah. Is it Jamal Williams?
0: Jamal yes, Williams. Jamal Williams. That's right. But uh, sorry, Ben
1: Johnson. I got to go with him. I got a soft spot for them Lions too, man. Um, I hope they do something
0: shake up that division big time. Benny you mentioned another coaching snub, and that was Pete Carroll. I think he absolutely deserves a spot on that list for the job that he did turning that team around. But back to the uh, assistant coach of the year. Um, this one was really tough for me, and I, I kind of wish we could split it into a co-winner because Ben Johnson did an absolutely phenomenal job. I felt like he should be one of the top coaching candidates for this upcoming uh, cycle. He actually pulled his name from the list. They gave him a, a huge raise there in Detroit, and I'm excited that they're getting the gang all yeah. back together. Uh, what he was able to do with, I would say, a, a not great offense and turned it into a, a really good offense, especially with it was fun T.J. Hawkinson. Uh, uh, yeah, when, like you said, if they get a defense, it's going to be phenomenal. But there's only one guy that coached his team Unit to a number one ranking, and that's D'Amico Ryan. So, sure. I feel like he deserves the nod in this one. And I think Ben, ben Johnson will probably be up for this award again next year. And I,
1: I do wish that there was a split for offensive and defensive. I will say yeah. that.
0: So, anyway, that's who I have, and that's all the the AP honors we're going to go through. Um, you, you heard our picks, so let's go into just news and notes around the league real quick. We'll mention a couple quick. Cowboys basketball notes, and then we'll we'll call it. But uh, as we mentioned at the top, Frank Reich was chosen as Carolina's new head coach. Um, what do you think about this? I want to hear yours first before I taint your view because <laughs> I don't know, man. I think it. I, I feel like this is one of
1: the moves out of familiarity. Like he played for him back in the day, and I that's the only thing I can say for him. Um, considering what's out there and what should be available it makes literally no sense to me why anyone would, especially them, they need somebody that is going to change a franchise. Um, I don't know. I just, I feel, I don't know. I feel like they were would have been better off running the old regime for another season, giving them a little bit more of a chance than starting over and turning the reins over. Like, I don't know. I, I'm not impressed. I don't understand it. Yeah, um, like we talked earlier, the 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 amount of coaches, you know, coordinators that have impressed this season, and no one's even attempting to get some of them. It just, I don't,
0: I was baffled. <laughs> I yeah. got nothing. Um, so this move to me, like you mentioned, Frank Reich was the very first quarterback to ever play for the Carolina Panthers as their expansion quarterback. Uh, so there is some familiarity there uh, he was or he still lives in that area so I'm sure that had something to do with it I'm sure he has a relationship with David Tepper the owner of the team but this seems like it, it seems like the Raiders 2.0 with the McDaniels higher from last season um, all the players coaches um Fans were pounding the table for Rich Pisaccia. Instead, they went the McDaniel's route, and we'll see long term. But at least first season, obviously we went from ten and seven to six and eleven, so that's not great. Um, and I think that's kind of how this is going to go with with them going the the Frank Reich route instead of Steve Wilks. Um, and they can say whatever they want to say that they wanted to go with an offensive coordinate or offensive minded coach. They've only gone with defensive minded coaches their entire existence uh so maybe there's something to be said that you know they want to go a different route steve wilkes is a defensive coach but when you saw the change in that team when he took over um seriously there's, i mean there's just no comparison uh matt rule great guy loved having him on the podcast for uh bussing with the boys hearing what he's doing in yeah. nebraska i think he's going to be great as a, a college coach <laughs> But I don't think his personality really meshed with the NFL, and you could see Steve Wilkes. I mean, he was a leader of men. Went six and six mm-hmm. after Rule went what one and exactly you don't remember. <laughs> yeah, um, so I don't understand this move at all. Frank Reich, I really think he is a bright offensive mind. I mean, I don't know that he really had a great quarterback situation ever with the Colts there. Um, no. He came on right after the Andrew Luck retirement, I believe, They after they fired Jim Caldwell. Uh, so they had Sorry. they had a very aging Phillip Rivers. They had Matt Ryan. They had Carson Wentz. Obviously none of those moves worked. Uh, Sam Ellinger. So coaching success is often tied to quarterback play, and I think Frank Reich was probably the victim of that, but I don't know. I mean, he's just coming off getting fired this past season. So it's very surprising to me that he is at the front of the the head coaching hiring line. I think they struck out on Sean Payton and kind of panicked and said, what can we get that's an offensive offensive mind? Uh, And this is just, like I said, it's baffling to me. I I don't know what else to say. Uh, Steve Wilkes he has an attorney already and basically said race is a problem in this in this hiring thing like with what he did if he let's say he wins two more games he goes eight and four Mm. does does he keep the job because i don't feel like anything he could have done based on this hiring would have gotten him this job and that's that's a tough conversation to have. And I think they probably have some grounds to go on because you're hiring a guy that got fired from his previous destination because he didn't do a great job. A guy in your building does a great job and doesn't get the job. So I don't know. Agreed. It, it's very frustrating for me. And Logan, <clears throat> Logan, friend of the program. Um, he texts me, he was blowing up my phone. I'm in the middle of a meeting at work today and my phone's just blowing up and he's going off about Steve Welk's not getting hired. I can't look at it until, you know, 30 minutes later when we actually take a break from that meeting. And I was like, oh, my God, this can't be real. It doesn't even make sense. So, A Carolina Panther fan, Logan, not thrilled. I will say Steve Smith, uh, longtime Panther great wide receiver from out of University of Utah. All-time panther. He's excited about this hiring, so I, I guess we'll see. But I just feel like Wilkes, Wilkes probably would have been the better choice, even if you just give him you know a two-year extension or something like that, see how it works out, and then go from there. Like we've talked about with Passaccio several times before. Yeah. So we won't go into that and beat it, beat it to death. But moving on from that one, we did have a former head coach get a, a job, uh, and that is Nathaniel Hackett. They hired him as the offensive coordinator for the New York Jets. What do you think about this move?
1: I just think that Nathaniel Hackett went out of the pan and into the fire. Um, I just, like, I can't think of a... If I was going to make a move from, say, the head coach of a Denver team that played awful, picked up Russell Wilson, and underperformed, the place I would not want to go is the New York Jets, who are in the middle of a huge quarterback controversy. Um, I just, I don't
0: know. (laughs) It's underwhelming, I guess. We'll see. I think this is another, I mean, I think this is the the Broncos situation repeating itself. I think the Broncos went all in to lure um, uh, Rodgers away from the Packers and hiring Hackett, who Rodgers has spoken highly of his entire career essentially, or I guess the last five years, six years, whatever it's been when they were working together. And I I feel like it's just another ploy to get Aaron Rodgers to come to the jets, which there are some swirling rumors by sources from the Packers saying they are willing to trade him away to a, an AFC team, not willing to trade him into the NFC. Um, So I feel like that's the ploy, but if you strike out on Rogers and don't make a trade for him, well, then you have a offensive coordinator that obviously didn't work well with Russell Wilson. Not that I know anyone could work well with Russell Wilson at this point. Um, But, I mean, let's say you strike out on Aaron Rodgers. What's your next move at quarterback? Robert Sala's already said he's very interested in bringing in a veteran quarterback. So of the ones available, I mean, you've got Tom Brady, Derek Carr, Um, Jimmy G I don't know. So I, what, what's the move if you don't get Rogers?
1: I don't think it matters. It's the jets. Who cares? Um, sorry, (laughs) but I do, I do think it is weird though. If Aaron Rodgers did end up a jet, um, just because of the Brett Favre angle. And I mean, I realized Minnesota was mixed in there too, but, um, that would be weird. Just saying, Uh, but if they, I mean, I guess if that's the idea is to get Aaron Rodgers and then you don't get him. um, God, I don't know. I guess make a move for Tom Brady. I don't know.
0: Yeah. And that's, I think that's probably what they're trying to do. There's been a lot of rumors flying that they're very interested in Derek Carr as well. Um, I think Derek Carr would work out well there, but I, I think in order for him to work well, you would have wanted to pair him with Greg Olson, his former um, his former offensive coordinator with the, the Raiders. That would have made a ton of sense. Bisaccia um, also interviewed with the Colts, I believe. So maybe that's a pairing where Gus Bradley's already there in, in Indianapolis. You get Rich Passaccia as head coach there, and then you bring in Gus Bradley as the offensive coordinator. You have Gruden's entire staff there. Derek's already comfortable with those guys, loves those guys. Maybe that's his landing spot, but I don't know, man. I feel like the Jets are really close to being a quarterback away with the defense that they have and some of those offensive players they drafted. Brees Hall, um, we just talked about. um, Jesus Garrett Wilson. Uh, they have some they have some really good talent on on both sides of the football if you get a quarterback. I mean, that could be the Matthew Stafford to the the Rams t- type of situation. So the only thing that could concern me with Derek Carr going to the or to the Jets is let's say uh the clock turns to November. <laughs> Games start to get a little bit chillier. What what happens up there? So that's true. Uh, I don't know. I really feel like they could be in that conversation even if they miss out on Aaron Rodgers. So, um, We'll quickly move on. I just wanted to get your opinion on Cincinnati and Kansas City, who you have, and then the San Francisco and, and Philadelphia game coming up this weekend. Who you got in those games? I can do that. So I'll start with, I guess, Cincinnati Cincinnati
1: and Kansas City. Um I just refuse to go for the Chiefs. <laughs> um, and I just think that Cincinnati has been putting together game after game after game. Um, again, as much as it pains me to say, they're they're playing some amazing football. And I, I would like to see them continue to shut down Kansas City. So I got Cincinnati taking that one. Um, San Francisco, Philadelphia. Man, um, this is tough for me because I don't want San Francisco to get another Super Bowl um for numbers wise and then philadelphia is obviously in pennsylvania so they're cross-state rivals i mean can i get a tie is that okay Um, i'd be okay with that i I don't know i guess man i don't know i i guess i'm going to take san francisco just because i like their their uh play style um i mean it's it's kind of a call it a more successful version of what the the Steelers are doing, um, you know, defense, trying to get a run game going, and then let the pass passing game happen how it will. So um, I don't know. I guess I'll go San Francisco.
0: Okay. Yeah. And I, I don't know. That one's a lot tougher for me to pick. Um, I think in the Cincinnati and Kansas City game, I think Mahomes' ankle is going to – dictate a lot of what they are able to do. I don't think they're going to be able to do a lot of those stretch runs and and play action passes and and all that fun stuff that they like to do. Uh, So I think I'm going to go Cincinnati in this one. And if Mahomes isn't able to play 100%, I I feel like it might be more than a touchdown spread. Um, And then San Francisco at Philadelphia, it's tough. I... I feel like San Francisco's the better team, but the way that Philadelphia played last week versus the way that San Francisco played last week, I feel like Philly's got the momentum going into this game. It's uh, a hard one to compare, though,
1: too, because Cincinnati and Kansas City, they're kind of both going to put up points, you know, blah, 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 blah. This game's so weird because San Francisco and Philadelphia are completely different approaches to football. So, I mean, if Philly shows up and puts up 30 points, they're probably going to win that game. Um, You know, if San Francisco's run game gets going and the defense holds, they're probably going to win that game.
0: That's the tough thing because Philadelphia doesn't do great against the run. San Francisco has an absolutely phenomenal um, rushing game. So I could see, you know, taking the ball out of Brock Perry's hands, letting the, the run game get established, then start to build off of that. And, and maybe that's the winning formula, but I also don't think Philadelphia is only going to score 12 points like the, the Cowboys did against uh, San Francisco last week. So uh, this is a really close one for me. I'm going to stick with San Francisco just because I picked them in, at, at the start of the playoffs to go all the way to the Super Bowl. But wouldn't surprise me if Philadelphia wins this one. And then one last thing I wanted to mention to you, we'll, we'll skip the rest of the basketball stuff and, and Wyoming. Um, we'll, we'll save that for the next one. Maybe when uh, we can get Polly on, we'll talk more about that season and whatnot. Um, but one last thing I wanted to mention to you is a quick, who would you rather have if, if you were the Raiders, a fan of the Raiders? And that's Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, because both of them are oh. being suggested as... Very possible options for them.
1: Uh, Neither. Find the next Brock Purdy, I guess. Um, (laughs) Well, good luck with that. I don't know, man. This one's really tough for me because... So this season, Tom's kind of been, um, you know, not necessarily good for the locker room. We've seen a lot of tantrums. We've seen a lot of sideline stuff. Aaron Rodgers has not been good for the locker room for many seasons. Um, at, at the very least, a distraction. I don't know. This is really hard for me. Uh, I mean, I guess just for the sake of, you know, at least getting a few more seasons out of them, I would say Aaron Rodgers. Um, I think Tom Brady's were finally seeing the decline. Um, oh, man. I still stick with neither. But if you're going to make me pick, I'm going to go Aaron
0: Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, I guess. Okay, so I like that, but I will say Aaron Rodgers is going to take probably a first round, probably our number seven overall pick, and then he's also going to take probably Darren Waller to get him. Plus, then he's got a $60 million salary cap hit. So I feel like team building-wise, Brady doesn't require any draft capital, uh, probably only is going to take about 20 million to sign for a season or two. Most likely, he'd want to go season to season. Familiarity with the offense, plus he brings a Adams. lot of. Yeah, well, that's the other thing for Adams. You've got Rogers' connection with him already, so I don't know. Of the two, I will say Brady is probably my uh, my pick, just <laughs> because you don't have to give up the capital and Darren Waller, but. I don't really know that that either of them are f- my favorite option. I think if we could get C.J. Stroud, even if we have to move up to to the number five pick to get him, I think that might just, be the just play. pick up
1: just pick up White from
0: the Jets. He'll be fine. There you go, Mike White, or maybe even uh, what's his name, Zach Wilson. I'll, I'll make That's you a hell of a deal. I'll make you a hell of a deal for Mason
1: Rudolph and Mitch Trubisky package deal. Two
0: options. Love it. <laughs> All right. So uh, with that, and we'll probably jump into that a little bit more in the next couple episodes, just to break down the positives, and maybe we'll hear some news coming. Uh, but for that, I, I just wanted to say thank you guys for tuning in, Benny, Raf. A lot of comments coming through. Comments. We we appreciate that. It always gives us something to chuckle at and, and share on the screen. Um, anything you wanted to add before we cut her loose?
1: Nope. Just good to be back on. Thanks, everybody, for listening.
0: Okay. We'll catch you guys on the next one. Thanks for tuning in.